Can we call him like Jor or Jordy or something? And, yeah, and jo- don't call him uh, Jordy, no. But Jor, I hate yeah. that too, actually. Yeah. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to kajabi.com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Now onto the show. This is the art of charm. Learn everything you need to know to crush it in business, love, and life. The art of charm is where ordinary guys become extraordinary men. Welcome to The Art of Charm, I'm Jordan Harbinger. The Art of Charm brings together the best minds in the industry to teach you how to crush it in life, love, and at work. Imagine having a mix of experienced mentors teaching you their expertise and packing decades of research, testing, and tough lessons into a concise curriculum. We want to empower you to create an amazing life for yourself by making tools available to everyone that were previously only known to high performers. We've created one of the premier lifestyle programs available anywhere, and it's free. This is the show we wish we had a decade ago. Make sure to stay up to date with everything going on here and get some great content and free products and books that we don't or can't share on the show by signing up for the newsletter at theartofcharm.com. This show is about you. We're here to help you become the best you can be in every area of your life. If you're new to the show but you wanna know where to begin or find out more about what we teach here at the Art of Charm Live programs in LA, go to the website. We'll email you a starter kit of all the top shows here on the Art of Charm. We'll send you the fundamentals like body language, eye contact, vocal tonality, dating and attraction, business networking and negotiation, relationship management, public speaking, and more. Pretty much all the stuff we wish we'd learned and mastered years ago. We've got our live programs running every single week here in Los Angeles, California. In fact, we've got so many guys from all over the world, which shows that no matter where you are, you can make it here if you want to learn and grow. Details on those at theartofcharm.com slash bootcamp. Give us a call or email me, jordan at theartofcharm.com. We read everything, and we're looking forward to meeting you here at The Art of Charm. Now, my friend Marnie of the Ask Women podcast, she's been coaching men for a long time. And this year, recently, anyway, she had a baby. And we're going to talk about having children, how it's the hardest thing a marriage has to go through, and many marriages don't make it out alive. There's a lot of things going on with women during this time they may not be able to express. We're going to talk about pregnancy brain, mommy brain, why it's real, why it can hurt your relationship, why have kids in the first place, how to know when you're ready to have kids, 
how can having a baby ruin your relationship and how to keep ahead of that, and good communication habits for couples with little ones. So enjoy this one with my friend Marnie Kinries. So, I mean, for me, when I think about having kids and stuff, and as this was probably for you, I'm like, oh, that's so far in the future. And now I'm kind of like, oh, it's still kind of a few years off or several years off because I'm not even married yet or whatever. But not that that has to come first. Let's be modern. But, you know, I don't think of all the little things. And and I'm not naive. Like, I realize I got to change diapers and my whole life changes. But I'm sure this was the case for you. Everybody goes, your whole life's going to change. And you're like, yeah, 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 I know. But then it totally does. And the impact is probably way more. Like, you think it's going to be like a little sock on the shoulder, but it's really like a body slam, right? I mean, it's got to be yeah, just so much more. that's absolutely what it is. It's funny because everyone says they don't tell you that it'll be like this. I'm like, people absolutely do. It's just, it's really hard to explain the complete difference of your life. It's not that your life changes. It's that your your life that you had before is no longer your life. It's like you you are in another body and a body that is exhausted, is stressed, is going through all these hormonal shifts on a daily basis. And you're introducing this new person into your life who can't communicate and de- depends on you solely for their survival. Even me saying this, I'm like, I can't even put out in words what this transformation is when you're living through it. And, you know, I, I am a coach too tons of men and people and I have most of the tools to use to reframe things and to see a brighter side of situations but I I'm, I'm still going through a tough time it's very challenging and in my head I constantly have this cycle of oh my god I'm a horrible mom I was just about to say it right now I'm a horrible mom because I find myself swaying my friends who don't have kids to not have children where no you are you're like jordan don't do it yeah i'm like don't do it unless you really want it like even what you were saying before about you know i'm a little bit far off from it i'm getting closer to it but in my mind you know i i always pictured myself having a family having children i wasn't 100 percent ready to have children but my husband is or was 43 his biological clock is ticking his his biological clock was ticking and it, it makes you race up a little bit more. I don't know if I ever would have gotten to the point where I'd be like, yes, gung, I'm gung-ho about it. I, I totally want to have a child. I'm 100% ready. But at the time, I, I was not 100% ready. Did you know that you weren't ready, though, at yes. the time? Okay, so yes, you knew absolutely. you weren't ready. You weren't like, I'm ready. And then the kid comes out and you're like, I'm not ready. Right. And like, But there were certain moments where I was ready, where I would think it'd be great to have children with you. It'd be wonderful to have a family. And because he wants it so much, you know, it, it does speed the process up a little bit more. But for me, I've spent a lot of my life being anxious and being uncomfortable and not really living my life the way that I wanted to. And we're Jews. It happens. I right, mean, exactly. yeah. <laughs> I'm lucky that I even got mothers. a few years. Yeah, exactly. Like, not that I was just, but like I was really enjoying my life. I, I really enjoyed where I was in my career. I was on lots of television shows. I was getting a lot of clout. I, and I liked my social life. I liked my freedom. And now you don't have any of that. Yeah, it's, tr- it's, <laughs> it's true. It's all gone. It is. It, it is all gone. And, and that will be rebuilt. Um, but now it's funny because after I've had this child, it's like either I don't have enough energy to think about all of these other things that I could potentially grow again or that I just don't really have a drive for them. It it sort of leaves you in this place of confusion 
And it's all of these new worries that are filling your brain space. And it leaves little time for you to relax and then think in a more positive direction and then to think about growth and potential and passion and drive and growing something for yourself, either within your own relationship, your own friendships, or even your own business. Like a lot of of the women that I'm friends with in LA, we've all had babies around the same time. And actually my sister had a baby about six months after me. Always copying your style. I know, such a follower. Um, But it is funny because all of these people are working mothers. And I honestly thought in my mind, we were very close with each other. We did a lot of social activities together. We all don't have family out here. We're going to be each other's support system. Right. And that did not happen at all because... Why do you think that is? uh, Because, well, LA is very spread out, number one. That's true. But I don't want to use that as an excuse. But most of us work. So when the workday is done, the last thing that you want to do is go out with your friends because you've had about 15 minutes with your child and you are a horrible mom if you don't choose to go home with your child. And you know, you're not thinking, oh, I'd rather go out for drinks, but but sometimes you do think I'd rather go out for drinks. And that would be horrible if my child only saw me for half an hour today. Mm. And then on the weekends when, you know, usually that's your free time, like that's the time to have your full family time and to be involved in your child's life and for your child to get to know you again and see you for more than 15 minutes or an hour or an hour and a half, whatever it is. So we don't get to see each other as much anymore. And I've talked to all of them. It's not like they're getting together with other people and not telling us about it. Well, you don't know that. Well, maybe. (laughs) You you don't really know that. Yeah. (laughs) That's true. But they are doing everything that I just said. It's family time. We all travel too much. We work too much. And we just want to stay at home and be with our babies. And granted, we're all in our first you know, year or two years. And I have other friends who are a little bit further along, but that seems to be the consistent story. For my sister, who she lives in Canada, so they get a year off after they have a child, which is very nice. That sounds like a long time. What do Americans get? Like three months, if anything. Wow. And then people like us who own our own businesses don't get any time off. It's interesting because I had my baby Noah seven weeks early. He was premature. And I literally delivered. He was raced off to the NICU. I picked up my phone and started doing work within minutes. It was the oddest thing. I just remember thinking like, did I just have a baby? Like it, it was very strange. And Wow. You're like recovering with all your stretches and stuff. You're out, you're stretched out stuff and you're like, I'm going to hit some emails. Like literally, I'm going to gross you out for a second, but my, my OB came back in to like clean out the placenta and I was on my phone. <laughs> you're like, like Instagram. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was weird. And then because he was in the NICU for the three weeks, I, I didn't have to take a break at all. And I didn't really allow myself that time to heal. And they're the reason that I wanted to talk to you because there, there is this like unspoken pressure and most of it comes from us internally Yourself, yeah. to be an amazing mom, do everything, uh, not be overly emotional, heal right away, get back into physical shape. Um, and none of us really acknowledge how traumatic pregnancy and giving birth actually is on the human body, on a woman's body. And, because we see other people and talk to other moms, there's always this, and it's, it's not like a, a negative thing. It's just, there's this always this level of competitiveness or, oh, she can do this, or she seems to be able to be doing this and I should be able to do it. Or, oh my God, she, her baby's sleeping after three months through the night. Oh, wh- what's wrong with our child? Like 
your brain just gets so consumed with all of these other things for this child. And sometimes, again, I'm going to sound like a horrible mom, but sometimes I think to myself, I'm like, why do you matter more than me? But you do. And I, I want to do these things for you. I definitely want to do those things for my child, but I want to do things for me too. And there's such little time. You feel guilt about that. Yeah. It's constant guilt. And I actually, do you ever watch those interviews with Sam Jones? He's a photographer for, it's his magazine called Off Camera. You should actually have him on the show. Oh, I was listening to that today. Oh, you, oh, that's That's so funny. So random. Like, whose interview were you listening to? Uh, Robert Downey Jr. Okay, I didn't see that one. But so he had Lizzie Kaplan on his show and we've never watched the show, but randomly because my husband happens to know Lizzie Kaplan, we're like, oh, let's watch Lizzie. And she gave this phenomenal interview. Just She was just very like open and real and like I was instantly drawn to her, number one. But she started talking about motherhood and she is not even a mother. But she said uh, the one common story that she hears from mothers and the same story that she that I hear is that they feel like they're constantly disappointing everybody. And she said, I don't think that men have to grapple with that as much. And I, I don't want to take away from the male experience of of introducing this brand new thing to, you know, your family space. It's, It's equally as difficult on men, but I think there is a lot more guilt. I don't know if it is. I mean, I have no, I can't speak from experience. I just can't imagine that men have to go through as much in most circumstances. Let's assume like family intact, et cetera, et cetera. I, but then again, I'm going to get email from dads that are like, bro, you don't even know. You have yeah, no idea. But everybody sort of experiences in their own way. So for myself and my husband, right? We both work for ourselves. So, you know, we both are working and that should be taken at a same level, right? We're both working and then we have other responsibilities on top of it. But I don't have to work as much as he does. And he has to work more than the average person. Plus he's a business owner. Yeah, he's like not around a lot. He has to fly right. out and all this stuff. Right. And so for me especially when we didn't have a child, I already felt guilty because he was exhausted all the time. But when he came home, I wanted to go out and do things with him. But I was like, no, I want you to de-stress, relax, stay home. Like gave him a day and a half or something to unplug a little bit. And then I wanted us to do things together because I had been setting that aside for the time that he was away and setting aside other things that I wanted to talk about or things that potentially could stress him out while he was away. But now that we have a child, it's even more because He's already exhausted. He's super stressed. He has the pressure of, you know, both of us have this providing for a family, but there's like a new a level of pressure that is placed on top of it once you have a child. And then he wants to spend time with his child, but then wants to give to me and then wants to give time for himself. So it's still this guilt. I feel horrible. I've had a lot of time with my child. I wake up in the mornings when he comes back on shoots rather than sharing it one for one. And there's a lot of things that I do to take the pressure off of him. And it just, it feels horrible when I know how tired and stressed he is and that he's not taking time for himself to ask him to do something. And then it becomes this endless cycle of feeling guilty and then taking it out on the other person and just this emptiness that like when you're in a relationship, you've heard of the five love languages and Uh they talk about your love bucket. I think that it's really hard to fill your own love bucket, let alone somebody else's, when you have no time, you're exhausted, and you're anxious because you're helping this person survive. And when it even comes out of my mouth, it just sounds so 
petty and dumb that I whine about this. Do you know what I mean? Of that course. This is- yeah, definitely. Now back to it. There's so many people listening that don't have kids and that do that are like, you should just feel lucky to have it. And you probably heard this in person. You should yeah. just feel lucky to have a baby. You know how many people would kill to be in your shoes and oh, yeah. you're whining about how tired you are. You know, but I'm sure there's tons of that. And problems are all relative, right? People right. go, oh man, Jordan, your business is doing well. And I'm sure you've heard stuff like this. And then I'm like, yeah, I'm just so busy. And they're like, oh, I'm so busy. Gotta go on the radio a whole bunch. Yeah, right. cry me a river, bro. I'm looking for a new job. And I'm like, I didn't mean it like that at all. Yeah. But problems are relative, right? Like yeah. if I wasn't busy with this, I'd be busy with something else. And when I have kids, I'm gonna be like, man, I wish for my old life where all I had to do was work for 14 hours a day or whatever it is, right? But so your criticisms that you are giving or the guilt that you're feeling, I would say, it's not that well-founded. I mean, I get why you're feeling that way, but it's like saying I have too much money, where am I gonna put all these boxes full of $100 bills? It's still a problem, and when it comes to energy levels and balancing your relationship, it's a real problem, because we've seen this, and you you and I talked about this before the, the show, this type of thing can ruin, ironically, can ruin your marriage. Yeah, well, that's what I wanted to speak to, because I know that there are guys and women listening, and, as I'm going through this period of my life, I am realizing that that this is where a lot of people lose their marriage because they get so fixated on something else and they don't have time to give to the other person. And because their patience has disappeared a little bit, they react to one another. And I, I am a coach. I talk about dating and relationships all the time. So this definitely heavily affects me. And I have the tools to work on this with my husband and it's still really hard. So I think that for a lot of people who don't have those tools, who are unable to communicate, this is where the tension begins and the animosity begins between significant others. I look at my parents and I I understand now that I think this is where a lot of their problems started and they did not have the communication tools or any tools that they could use to help resolve these issues or at least alleviate some of the tension so that they could get back to a loving place. And I remember we were in our first three months of having our son and we had lots of family coming in, staying with us. It was, it was nice. It was great. It was also a pain in the ass. And Jordan and I had very little time. My, that's, that's my husband. Not, yeah. Just, yeah. That's just super so you know. Can we call him like Jor or Jordy or something? And, yeah. And jo, don't call him uh, Jordy. No, but Jor, I hate yes. that too, actually. Yeah. yeah. But Jor and I Better had, him than me. Yeah, had, had no time to exchange niceties with one another. It was literally just calling out things as the other person would pass by us. And when you're constantly being barked at or there's tasks being thrown at you and no even sides of, oh, you're awesome, you're wonderful, I appreciate you. It just digs this deep hole of, oh my God, that person doesn't like me, they don't love me anymore, whether it's conscious or subconscious. That begins to build up and this overlying thought on both sides of, oh my gosh, I'm a failure. Oh my God, I'm disappointing the other person uh, comes in, into place. I can see this happening even in good relationships too. Because to be clear, your relationship with Jor was good before. Yeah, oh my and God. And it still is, obviously, I'm sure. Yeah. But 
but it was good before. It's not like, oh, rocky relationship, having a child will, will torpedo it. You can have a great relationship, because I can see this happening to myself, right? Because at some level, I need a reasonable amount in my mind of affection and like attention yeah. from my girlfriend. And so if we're married and then we have a kid and she's like constantly, look what I got for the baby, look what I got for the baby. And I'm like, what am I, child liver? After like a year, right, of like being ignored or whatever, or feeling ignored, that could take a toll even though the cause is totally, at a logical level, completely unreasonable. Like, thanks for taking such good care of our offspring, which is like the most important thing in the world, but I'm feeling petty because I didn't get a hug today, right? But it, I can see that stacking up over time. Yeah, and all this animosity starts to build up and there's things that you're like, oh, I shouldn't say this because my significant other is going through X, Y, and Z. So at about the three month mark when we started to notice this was happening, because during that three months, you're so tired. It's not even like you have time to notice there's problems in the relationship. You just hate the other. That's how it was. You just <laughs> oh, really? hate the other person. And then we had a, a big discussion. We had a bit of a blowout and had a big discussion about it. And what came out from that conversation was that we hadn't exchanged niceties. Like that had gone over both of our heads. We were just like in frantic mode and just not putting out fires because it sounds like, you know, this kid was causing us problems. He was sleeping great. He was eating great. It didn't have any problems. It just is this constant three-hour cycle that we were going through in the very beginning that never seemed to end. It was like living Groundhog Day every day. It kind of drives you a little bit crazy. And after that conversation, I said to him, this is what I, I need from you. I need you to take care of me and my emotions and really support me. And I can take care of our son and support him. But if I'm not being taken care of, I'm going to be a misery. And, and being taken care of does not be, mean being babied. It means telling me that I'm, I am doing a good job in making the decisions that I'm making as a mom, appreciating me for doing things that I've never done before that I may seem to, you may seem to think that I know how to do because I'm a woman, but I have no freaking clue and I'm just as scared as you are. Uh, giving me a hug at the end of the day. And I can give back when I am receiving those things. But when you're being like literally sucked dry by a child and you're not getting support and love from your partner, it's really difficult to keep going. Yeah, and, sure. you know, endure asked for the same thing. And it is difficult to do, but I was listening to the podcast that you did with, I'm totally going to mess up his name. I think it's Harvey Hervel. Uh, Harville Hendricks. Um, Harville Hendricks. Yeah. And he was talking about the third thing that he does with his significant other and tells people to do to, um, say why you're grateful every single day to the other person to hear five positives from your partner about what you bring to their life or what they appreciate you for. And, you know, we don't do it every single night. I'm, I'm not a saint, but we try to do it as often as possible. And we try to give each other hugs as often as possible. And it's, it still becomes challenging when you're very tired, but it definitely helps. And having an open line of communication and being comfortable enough to say the things that are on my mind, that's what has really helped me. And being supportive of the choices that we are together making, um, but that I'm making as a, a mother for my child of right. things that involve me like breastfeeding or certain things that, you know, he's out in his office most of the day and doesn't get to see a lot of the stuff right. that we are doing and really just respecting that. Like I, you know, I wanted to do some research before you and I spoke and 
I'm the type of person who likes to do research constantly. And if I'm going through something, I want to talk to other people about it. So since I've had a baby, I've been asking questions. And most of the women I talk to, they have a lot of the of, of similar concerns or struggles or challenges. But I talked to my mom about this and she had said that... How did that go? Well, I'm very open with my mom, but I had said to her, like, you know, I'm going on a show where I want to help men understand what women go through and give them suggestions of what they can do to help during that process. So the animosity doesn't build up and there isn't tension in the relationship and people are left feeling unloved. And she had said one thing that really bothered her that, you know, has carried through till now with my father and they've been married for 40 some years. She said that he would come home from work and it was wonderful. He would take me and he would go play with me, but I would be crying and sitting on his lap. And for him, he hadn't been hearing crying all day, so it wasn't a big deal. Oh, right. He just was like, ah, oh, she's crying, whatever. Yeah, and but my mom, she knew exactly how to get me to stop crying. And she would say, Jerry, just stand up and she'll stop crying. And he wouldn't stand up. He wouldn't stand up because he wanted to sit down. And she had heard the crying all day. So for her, it was like Chinese water torture. <laughs> uh, you know, like it was great that he took her, but she wanted that relief for half an hour. And he would help, but he wasn't able to give it to her. And it left her feeling... Classic man. Yeah, it, it left her feeling unheard and unsupported, even though in his mind, he was doing his part as well. And I talked to my sister about this because she's had a baby and I talked to my friends about this. And they all said it's just because there is a lot more put on to the women, unless there's you know homes where things are set up a little bit differently. But it really is just their significant other being more supportive of the fact that you are there all day and you have seen patterns that work and things that you can do to help alleviate a situation to not question in the moment or scowl at a request, it really just being supportive. And it, that's not saying, you know, I hate when I tell people what I do for a living and a lot of men will say, oh, I know the secret to giving women what they want. It's uh, just saying yes to everything. Right. Yes, buy, her, dear. buy her everything she wants. Yeah, there's yeah. always and some I'm crap like, advice. Like, that's the most, I, that is the worst advice. Oh, you're th divorced three times. Oh, big surprise there, Uncle <laughs> yeah, Jerry. Yeah. Exactly. And so it's not that you just have to say, okay, yes, dear, I'll do whatever you want. It's okay. It's respecting that in the moment. And if you want to have a conversation because you've read an article about other ways to do something, sit down and have that conversation later at dinner and say, you know what? Right. Not in like the emotional battlefield of when like the whole thing's going down, maybe like save it for a more opportune time. Yeah. Like for example, my husband and I put our son down for a nap and I know <laughs> his sleep cycles of when he is more responsive to noise and his bedroom is like close off to where the main room is. So which sucks. He has a sound machine on, but he can hear noise more easily. And my husband will come out of the bedroom in the morning after I put my son down for his nap and he'll say, can I make a coffee? And I'll be like, you know, I just put him down for, no, I've said this a million times and like, and I have to say, no, he used to scowl at me and I'd be like, oh, it would break my heart. Like I didn't like having to be the bad guy and say no. And it really created tension between us. And I, I would get really frustrated with him because it just felt like he wasn't in it with me. 
Right. It's like your baby's inconvenient to me. Yeah. yeah. And that's not at all where he was or not at all where he is coming from. Um, but it's like smaller things like that where together you can devise a plan. So I wanted to offer a tip to some people who if you're not in a relationship, if you are in a relationship, if you're married, if you have kids, this has been really helpful for Jordan and I for helping everything run a little bit smoother in our household because now it's Listen, it's still free and fun and we do fun things. We have an amazing time with our son and with each other. We have date night every week. There's lots of happiness in, in our household. But to help our household run smoother now, we have a weekly meeting every Monday. I create an agenda. I send it over to Jor halfway during the day. He can look at it or not look at it. And that night at dinner, we go through the agenda of things to talk about. And it can be like, really boring things like what our dinner plans are for that week. Who's going to cook? Who's not going to cook? Who's things like that. Or we can put on the agenda. Let's talk about our sex life or let's talk about making coffee in the morning. And when we can come together in a calm state and where something is written out on a list, it just makes for a calmer, nicer conversation. And then people like both of us are left being accountable for something, right? So if he says, okay, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z this week because I've said it at the weekly meeting, then it's on him to do and and he knows that's his responsibility to do. And if it's left undone... Then what happens? Well, then, <laughs> then he gets kicked out of the house. But, no, <laughs> yeah, but, right. but then it's like he has to take ownership of it instead of me nagging him every single day. So we give like timelines for things. So now he'll come to me and say, listen, like my week got a little bit more hectic. I'm not going to be able to finish this by Wednesday. So that there is like more accountability and it, it is kind of run more like a business, you know, but businesses can still be fun. It's just that everybody gets a chance to feel heard. And yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we can have open discussions and listen, all of the exhaustion doesn't go away and there's still moments of impatience and frustration for sure. But it really helps to alleviate things so that you don't get to this point where you're never having a break from all of the tension and you just grow to dislike each other because that is sadly what happens with a lot of couples during this period of time. I have friends who, you know, were close to divorcing in the first five or six months. And they are people who do not have tools to have open communication. One of the people don't ever share anything with the other person well, that in the relationship. Yeah. So they have to go to therapy and learn about how to communicate and talk about their emotions and frustrations. And, you know, luckily they did that, but so many people don't, they're either too embarrassed or they don't have the resources. It's not a good environment for anybody to be in, whether it's for the child to be in or for you to be in. It's just, it's not enjoyable. And because this is a complete shift and a life change, that is, to be honest, absolutely fantastic. I, I enjoy being challenged. And this is the biggest challenge I've ever had in my life. You know, not working on things and finding tools during this period of time can be detrimental to your relationship, can be detrimental to your children's upbringing can be detrimental to your own uh, sane psyche so that if you have all of these things weighing you down, sometimes you don't really get to enjoy the wonderful moments, like those peaks that I was talking to sure, you about that I have sure. every single day. Like 
my son, I he makes this face now where it's like he goes, oh, and he like puts his mouth into this small O. And honestly, it melts your heart every time. He, it, it is the funniest, coolest thing in the world watching him become a human being. And that I understand is why people keep doing this and keep having children because that feels awesome to see. And if it's only for you know, a couple of hours a day and the rest of the day you're you're a little stressed out about things, it does make it worth it. And so I, I get why people <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say have what children. are the plus sides? All right, back to the show. It sounds like this year has been about learning, balancing, communicating a ton. Yeah. And obviously there's a lot here that it's going on with both men and women during this time that they probably can't or might not be able to express. But would you say this is the hardest thing that your marriage has ever gone through? Oh, absolutely. And we went through me being pregnant, buying a house, having our child in the NICU when he came early, moving to a house. Like last year, I thought was the hardest thing. But then this year after it, that's what we did all last year. But then, yes, this has been the hardest thing that our relationship has been through. And we've been together for 11 years now. Right, so it's not like, yeah, it's not a three year long relationship where you had the honeymoon phase, got married, had a kid, right? It's been a while. Yeah, and so I want to give advice to guys that are listening. I want to call attention to, this may not be for every woman, because I can't speak for every woman, but the women that I have talked to who feel like a certain part of their appeal and sexiness and their womanhood has gone away, even though you kind of become a little bit more of a woman after you have a child. But it's this strange transition for women as well, that you go from independent woman, assertive woman to the role of, of mom. And depending on how you look at the role of mom, you know, it's, it's different for everyone. For, for me, I'm having challenges with trying to balance being a mom being a business owner and being a sexy, attractive woman. And uh, to be honest, I, I haven't really found that balance yet. I have moments of it for sure. But that's been the hardest transition, I think. It's that you're transitioning into a totally new person that goes hand in hand with this whole new lifestyle. But there's, this is going to sound so morbid, but like there's this, oh, now I'm a mom. So now I'm the next in line to die or like, <laughs> what? I, I, it's like, that's what I think. I'm like, oh, well now I, my parents are grandparents. And like, it's just this, like, I am now at a different level. Right. You can't lie to yourself. Like I'm still a kid. Yeah. I'm still the young one because there's somebody else on the totem pole. Yeah, the bastard is younger than me now. So yeah. Right, and always will be. Yes, exactly. I know. I, I, I'm like, but these are the thoughts that are going through my mind. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting, sad, happy, amazing time. And all that I know that I require during this time is the freedom to be emotional without being labeled as irrational, some time to be heard, and a lot of time to be hugged. That's really all that I require during this time. Yeah, you, you hear a lot, speaking of emotional and irrationality, you hear a lot about like mommy brain, pregnancy brain. What is that? 
Okay, so I actually did some research on this because I wanted to speak to mommy brain and baby brain. And basically, everything that I found was saying there's no proven evidence that this exists. Um, But a lot of women struggle with hormone fluctuations and depending on where their hormone levels were at and their depression levels were at prior to being pregnant and prior to having a child, it can affect them in, in multiple different ways. I will say this, they are absolutely 100% real. You know, I don't know if it's the hormones, the tiredness, whatever it is, but I go on Loveline quite often. And, mm. you know, when we weren't on the radio, I had said to Drew, because I did a segment on the show, or Dr. Drew, and I was like, oh my God, did that even make sense? Like, I don't even know what just came out of my mouth. This is like four months after I had my son. And I said to Drew, I was like, is this pregnancy brain and mommy brain like a real thing? Like, I honestly, words do not come together the same way that they used to. And he said, absolutely. If you are breastfeeding, especially like you are not going to feel back to normal until you stop breastfeeding. There is hormone shifts going on in your body that is not even comparable to your menstrual cycle. Like it's 10 times what it was before. So he is saying that absolutely those things are true and they do have an effect on people and differently for every single woman. Cause I know some women who are like, yeah, I don't notice anything. And I know other women who are like, I am messed up since having a child. So <laughs> right. And, and I, I fall into the middle of that category. Wow. So yeah, those are real hormonal issues that happen that go away only after you stop breastfeeding. Is that the... Apparently. So listen, I'm not a scientist or an expert in this field, but... I, we're only talking about your boobs and hormones. Right, my boobs. My boobs right now. Um, I know that at different stages of my son's life, my body produces different kinds of milk that have different nutrients that my son needs for that time. And that... Every time that I breastfeed, potentially there is a release of oxytocin that connects me further to my son. It's supposed to, I don't feel it, but it's supposed to give you like a little rush of, you know, an oxytocin increase. Uh, so absolutely, there are constant hormones going up and down and up and down and left and right all the time when you have a child and I think especially if you're breastfeeding, but again, not a scientist, so I don't know 100% what is going on. But for me, I feel it. I know it. I'm also coupling that with, you know, being tired and adjusting to this new life change. Before the show, we were talking about how babies and women are not always a match made in heaven. I, let's speak to that because I feel like a lot of women feel like they have to have kids. They're somehow a failure. Like right now, there's people listening that are like, this is interesting, but now I'm feeling the same guilt that you're feeling on the mommy stuff, only I don't plan on having kids. Can you speak to that at all? I mean, you have kids, but you obviously at one point didn't. There's always pressures to live up to the social norm, but it doesn't mean you have to give into it. And even when, you know, on, on my podcast, my co-host Kristen, there's some guys that come on the show. I think maybe she hasn't said this about you or to you, but there's certain guys who come onto the show and they'll say like, I want to date a lot of girls and I don't want to be in a relationship. And she has trouble computing that because ultimately everybody should want to be in relationships. That's why you date a whole bunch of girls. You're something's wrong with you. If you just want to have fun experiences with really open people and have great sex and like in her mind, there is something wrong with you if you don't want what everybody else seems to want. I don't believe that. I think that's freaking awesome if you want to go and have like amazing 
experiences with tons of other women, as long as you are not misleading, mistreating, or being dishonest with people, have a blast and continue doing it till the day you die. I think the same thing with having children. It's now a trend. Like there are many people who are not having children right now. Many people who are not getting married because they think it kind of ruins your life. Like I, there was a special on Vice and they were talking to people in Japan and they would interview these men and women who were like, why would I want a boyfriend? That is not fun. Like why would I want <laughs> yeah. somebody else to be with? This, I'm having an amazing time. I think that you have to decide if you're going to let other social norms pressure you or not. When I'm saying that, I'm speaking to myself because I'm going through that now when I talk to other moms and they're like, oh, you know, Joel's doing this this week. He learned how to, you know, say ABC and he's three months old. Like for you and your mind, you start thinking, oh, my God, like I better start showing my kid cue cards. Like right. this kid's doing it. So how do you deal with that pressure? Because I feel like that never stops. Right. There's all this. Oh, my kid learned to talk. Oh, my kid is a better you know, he, look, he's running. Oh, look at this. And oh, we're getting him into this school. And our, our grand, my parents had him on the waiting list 20 years ago. And <laughs> right. Like, he's oh, my going God. to Harvard and he's only like eight months old. Right. Okay, like our so kids this are going to is... go to jail. That's all there is because we haven't prepared for this. Obviously, we're failures. Yeah. And um, Jordan, and I talk about this all the time. Like we are providing the most loving environment for him. We do our best to teach him the things that we know and show him a good time and and show him structure, but show him freedom and fun. And if somebody else is walking three months ahead of him, I'm not going to get wrapped up in that because like my kid's going to walk. <laughs> like it's not like, yeah, eventually not, it'll happen. Most yeah, likely. It's not like he's not going to walk. Or, oh, he's, he's not eating that. He'll eventually eat that or something else. Like I had to wrap my brain around like it's those things aren't really that big a deal. And I, I even find myself being very, and I watch other moms do it, being very careful of how they say things that they are doing because they, they don't want to put that out there. They're like, my kid's doing this or my kid, or at least my friends do this. I know there are other people who do that, but we're all very careful about offering it advice that has worked for us or, you know, bragging a little bit too much because it's kind of pointless. It's obnoxious. And then you, and then you get it from somebody else like, Oh, your son's having this problem, and there's a little Schadenfreude there, like yeah, yeah. Because I was yeah. always I was quiet. It took me a long time to talk. It took me a little bit longer to walk. Then I, you know, was kind of screwing up as a kid. I was a little bit bad, and there were people in my family that were like, "Oh, well, Jeffrey, like my cousin, Jeffrey is <laughs> this way," and I'm like, "Oh, this is for our other cousin that." And my I could tell, like looking back, my mom and dad must have been like, "Damn it, what the hell." And ah, now, we got the now, lemon. Well, yeah, but now, of course, my parents are like, yeah, no, um, Jordan's doing really well. You know, he's yeah. got a really, really big company. Maybe you saw it in the freaking New York Times, Biatch or yeah. something, you know, and yeah. oh, how's, uh, how's, how's being, uh, you know, a public school teacher? Like, I'm, I mean, not really going to do I that, know. but, but like, my mom did that. So that's a bad example, but they're kind of like, after all those years of like that getting rubbed in their faces, now they're just kind of like, they don't have to say anything because everyone's like, right. oh, it sounds like Jordan's doing really well. It's because right. Facebook does it all now. Facebook does everything for yeah, them. Exactly. They don't need to brag anymore. They can do it for them. Like, even if you didn't become, like, you know, super successful, which you are, you still would have been a good person, I think. Like, mm, I, maybe. Maybe. I, but, like, at the end of the day, you're going to walk. You're going to learn to speak. If you don't, then you deal with those issues and there's something else amazing for you. Like you and I share a common friend, Sean Stevenson. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. And he, for people who don't know, he's a motivational speaker. He's full of confidence, you know, at times, uh, but he is a motivational speaker. And he also happens to be three feet tall in a wheelchair with brittle bone disease. Like, even though he was born with these supposed challenges, and I'm sure his parents could have freaked out and been ashamed or constantly beat themselves over this they actually went in the other direction to tell him like, you're freaking amazing. And who cares if you have X, Y, and Z and pushed him towards this greatness so that now he has and had the confidence to understand then that he's more than X, Y, and Z. He can do greater things. And that's what I want to focus in to instill in my son is that the door is open. Like there's potential for everything. And let's just play around and, and see what you got. And we'll work with that. That's how I want to treat myself. That's how I like to treat others and, and find out what's really special about them, not what's special about them compared to everybody else. Well, thank you very much. This has been really insightful and has instilled in us uh, a little <laughs> bit of a little bit of a different angle because we I mean there's a lot of people listening that are like wait what was that because they're they're not looking for this normally from the art of charm but I think this is really poignant because you know this is something that almost everybody listening has either gone through will go through or is going through right now uh, and the other ones that don't well you're welcome for this little window into how the other people who are dumb enough to have kids live right so, <laughs> yeah exactly so Thanks so much. So conclusion is don't right. have children. Right. Conclusion is you you better want it real bad. That that little cute little face he made, just keep that burned into your yeah. mind while you're changing dirty diapers at three o'clock. I'll, in the I'll morning. send you a picture of my kid. You right. can just look at that whenever you want to have children. <laughs> that works. Thanks yeah. so much, Marnie. Thank you. Interesting. Really interesting that having kids is one of the toughest things a marriage has to go through. I totally get how having a baby can just annihilate intimacy and annihilate communication inside a relationship. Women go through so much, so I think it's great to have this skill set to help our ladies get through this period of time and help ourselves get through this period of time. So I hope you guys enjoyed this. I really enjoyed recording this. I got lots to look forward to, and uh, maybe this is episode one of uh, many parenting relationships to come in the future anyway. Now remember, guys and girls, this show is a fanarchy. It's run by you. We rely on you to help keep our finger on the pulse. So if you know someone is a good fit for the show, let me know. I'm Jordan at theartofcharm.com. If you enjoyed this one, don't forget to thank Marnie on Twitter. We'll have that linked in the show notes as well. And I post a lot on Twitter, stuff that never makes it to the show, articles, insights, and other crap. I'm at The Art of Charm on Twitter. Details on our live programs at theartofcharm.com slash bootcamp. And of course, on the website, not only is there the blog with tons of amazing articles, but our bonus episodes that aren't released in the iTunes feed for those of you who just can't get enough AOC. And remember to subscribe in iTunes or check us out on our network, Podcast One. Of course, we have our iPhone and Android apps available as well. Just search for The Art of Charm, and you guys can help us. Subscribe in iTunes, give us a five-star rating, write something nice, I'll love you forever. When you write us a review, it not only makes us feel proud, but it helps keep us in the ranks so that other people who can use this information can find the show more easily and get the credible advice they need. It's also one of the best ways to support us other than purchasing products and training from The Art of Charm. Now, special thanks to the Jasons for their help in production of this podcast. Go ahead and tell your friends, because the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else either in person or shared on the web. Now, have a great week, and leave everything and everyone better than you found them. Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, 
and everything for the extraordinary man at theartofcharmpodcast.com. dot com.